Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. It's a little uh, throwback Thursday action on our intro there, and that's only because I'm not at home and the new theme is on that computer, so you get a little bit of the old one. Um, let me know if you have any preference over one or the other. So this is... Week three of Yoga Slackers, February. We've got um, Jason and Chelsea on, and it's quite, quite an interesting conversation. Again, uh, there's a theme that comes up in Jason's uh, the way he uh, recruits new team members. Let's say, so it will be fun. Let's see what else is going on in the world. Um, should pit myself a little bit. Um, I think everybody knows that I'm available to uh, for race directors, race teams, pretty much anybody. If you needed me to come document your race, pictures, video, both daily stuff, uh, I'm uh, quite reasonable and I think fairly good. So, um, you know, it never hurts to ask. Sometimes I might say no, but I hardly ever do. So there's that. Uh, shout out to uh, Barkies. We're getting some more in the mail. Looking forward to it. Um, I'll put some, a link in the uh, show notes, but they're my favorite uh, favorite headgear. Way better than that other other place that whose name shouldn't be spoken. So there's that. Let's see. Weather's been good. Well, chilly last couple days, but. Um, we will be having some nice days this weekend, so we'll be out some more. But, um, oh, one other thing, in the next week or so, um, I will be interviewing Maria Burton again for from uh, Primal Quest, the race director. And if you have any <clears throat> any questions that would you like for me to ask her, um, just get in touch with me, you know. Twitter, Facebook, uh, email at legendaryrandyericksonfilms.com. Comment here. Pretty sure if you have a question, you can figure out a way for me to uh, to get it so you can ask her. And after, other than that, um, enjoy the show. There may be a little lag in, uh, in some episodes in the next month or so. I'm going to be working back up in the woods a little bit more so it may be a little bit a little bit harder to uh connect with people so i think we'll be okay i don't think we'll miss any weeks but if we do forgive me so um that's it go fast take chances and enjoy the episode hey okay i'm i'm glad i noticed when i did <laughs> yeah no problem yeah don't worry so I only told this story about 10 times on the podcast how Kyle and I had a whole conversation for an hour, Kyle Peter, and I didn't re 
record it. <laughs> oh no. So, um, okay. Yeah, he, Kyle Peter doesn't have much worth listening to anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so the, uh, you know, the only good part about that it was it is there was a lot of things that came up afterwards that it actually probably made for a better conversation because it was one of the early ones. So, all right. All right so, yoga slackers, where did that come from? And don't worry, I'll tell everybody that I screwed up before yeah, my introduction. Do you want to know what Yoga Slackers is? Or yes. Where it... Where, what, what is it and how did, you, how did it start? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yoga Slackers as it currently is, it's, it's awesome because it's grown way beyond us. We, we're about to have 100 teachers that kind of use that name to signify their practice of teaching acrobatics and, and slackline and yoga tied in with all of that. And a bunch of them are endurance athletes as well. Oh. So it, it really is just a group of eclectic, very talented you know, athletes, teachers that, that travel and do their best to use these modalities to inspire people that you know, the human potential is greater than most people think it is oh. you know, with practice, with, with uh, uh, intention. So that's kind of what the Yoga Slackers is now. And on top of that, there's a, you know, a racing team. There's a group of us that are, you know, seeing how far we can go. We've been racing and, and training and slacklining together for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And just without, you know, hiring ringers or without, you know, bringing people into the fold, we're just interested to see how close we can get to the top of this crazy sport of adventure racing. Yeah. Well, see... Uh, that's one of the good things about having to start over. It's like, I personally, I thought yoga slackers, I thought you guys went and taught. I had no idea how big it was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have 110 teachers at the end of our teacher training in June. Wow. And we've got 86 right now. So that's, yeah. um, that's kind of like a dynasty or something. That's pretty cool. It's, yeah. It is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. So it keeps us busy for yeah. sure. So okay, then let's go back and just tell the story again how you got started with, um, with I, the yoga and the slack line and combining the two. Right. The, the kind of quick version is that for a long time I was a yoga teacher. Um, Chelsea was a yoga teacher as well. This is before we met, and I was trying to learn how to slack line because climbers learn, you know, climber slack line. And as a yoga teacher, I was doing that. And I didn't really combine the two, and I sucked at slackline. Like, I couldn't take more than two steps on. I'd wobble, fall off, wobble, fall off. And finally, my friend and I that were trying to learn that we're both climbers decided to look at it as a yoga practice because we never got upset when we failed at yoga. It doesn't really even really exist in kind of that culture. So as soon as we started approaching slacklining just with breath and not worrying about whether we succeeded or not, just, you know, the, the experience changed. And it still took us six months of trial and error to kind of figure out how to walk on the line. And, you know, in that time, it was just, you know, really learning a lot about ourselves. And the only reason it kind of took off is because, as you know, you know, digital photography, this is back in 2005, digital photography was just starting. And at a big yoga conference, um, we were playing around with trying to do some classic yoga poses on the line, wobbling and falling off, you know, every second we stood up there. But somebody took enough pictures that one turned out really good of me and one of Sam turned out really good. They ran it in the magazine, you know, like this is awesome floating, you know, master yogis. And before long, we were getting all these emails and messages and 
uh, about asking where our DVD was, when our next workshop was. We had a training, and we had no idea what we were doing. So, you know, we were living in a car as dirtbag climbers, and so we figured, hey, we should we should look into this. And we spent the next six months just traveling around and, and teaching everybody that would listen to us and figuring out a lot of stuff. So, you know, now we can teach somebody what took us six months to learn in about two hours just with kind of really good instruction and, and knowing what to, to try to do. So that's kind of how Yoga Slackers was was born. Most people think we're just lazy yogis, which is okay too, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, working for myself, I understand how hard you guys got to work. I mean, it's like nonstop, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, we try not to think of it as work, yeah. right, babe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think of it as we train and play a yeah. lot, yeah. constantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does how does the yoga help with the, the adventure racing? Uh, the yoga helps with our adventure racing in many ways. It helps um, our bodies, you know, stay nice and nimble. But um, over the years, we've our practice has definitely changed. We used to be super diehard Ashtangis, which is a pretty intense um, hour and a half practice. And now our practice has changed to 30 minutes of um, just moving the spine, doing a little bit of yoga and a little bit more of actual physical therapy, um, uh, more like functional fitness that has really helped us keep a lot of injuries at bay. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we use yoga for mostly that getting yeah. into our breath and um it also helps with you know um mental training as well you know when we're out there third day fourth day in falling asleep i or even even freezing that night um i've been known to use um, meditation techniques and um breathing techniques to stay warm so help me. you know one of the things that we tell people is you know doing a lot of yoga isn't gonna make you a good adventure racer if you don't like actually do the adventure racing stuff too. But <laughs> it can like it can keep you healthy. It can help your recovery time go down. It can increase your range of motion in your joints and you know carrying bicycles to the to the night bushwhacking and all that stuff. And like Chelsea said, it's it's a lot of mental training so that you stay you stay calm in the midst of adversity. You know, sitting there in a yoga class with your foot behind your head, twisted up, you know, you know the, the classic pretzel shape and trying to breathe and move and balance, you know, teaches you a lot about just really staying in the moment and not looking too far ahead. You know, looking a thousand miles away at the start of an adventure race is a daunting task. So it's just looking to the next checkpoint, looking to the next breath. Yeah, that and that's what I was really curious about is, is obviously, yeah, the mental part is just, so can you just like, get in the middle of a stressful situation and just chill yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, and it's not just the yoga we no. one of the things we've explored a lot in the last couple of years is highlining which is mm -hmm. walking slack lines strung up over canyons yep. um and mentally it's it's the reason that makes that so difficult is you're putting your your body and mind in a position that every part of your being is screaming like don't do this you know, don't do this, it's, you know, and, and you force yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And when you can do that mentally, you know, when you have that control, it's amazing how much you can calm yourself down in, in these adventure racing situations. So, 
you know, it's not directly applicable. Like we don't regularly have to cross tight wires yeah. um, by walking on them in adventure racing, but just having the, the comfort with the exposure, with the, you know, tenacity with the teamwork and the ability to kind of talk yourself off mental ledges is a huge part of, of the training that we do. Yeah. So do you uh, lobby every adventure race for having a, like a 200 foot high line? Oh, that would be that awesome. Would be great. <laughs> we, we just did a race in um, Canada, the Raid Gaspisi, mm-hmm. and only one person had to do it. We didn't really know what it was. We got to the top of the mountain, and the great thing is our fourth that is kind of like our permanent fourth now, Eric Sanders, young guy, yep. he came onto the team, but he is already a acrobat and an amazing slackliner and highliner, so we didn't even have to teach him anything because we kind of want all the yoga slackers on the team to have some skill with that. Yeah. Um, and he got to do that leg at the top of this mountain and it was a high line. They had an overhead leash, you know, most people just yeah. like crawled on it or fell on it. Yeah. And there's an but amazing, actually... yeah, there's an amazing photo of him arms out, not holding on to anything, just walking. This as the mist rolls through. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's great. That's cool. It's cool. So, um, all right, let's, let's do a little nuts and bolts stuff here. And this is kind of weird cause I, I sort of know Jason's story from mm-hmm. from uh andy but and and then listening to to and i don't know how the order is going to be but you know daniel and eric too but um how'd you guys get started adventure racing i got started adventure racing actually through jason um it was our fourth date uh in tucson arizona and he said hey you bike you climb um uh, do you want to try this adventure race? And I didn't even know what it was, but I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. Um, but uh, at the time we were, um, I was doing a teacher training and he was one of the teachers. So we both had to be back and he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll be back. And so that was our whole mission of the race was to get back. And we actually, you know, we'll, well, this was a four, like it was a six hour race. Yeah. Was what it was advertised as mm-hmm. it started at, 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. We had to both. I had to teach, and she had to be a student at the teacher training at noon. Yeah, it's an 8 a.m. start, and it was about a 45-minute minimum drive from the, the start finish to the studio. Yeah. So we're basically looking at this six-hour race, saying at worst we have to finish this in three hours. They expected the winning time to be four hours. Mm-hmm. We did it anyway. Yeah. And Sam was there with us, and one other woman, and. We finished in two hours, 45 minutes, yeah. and we were back at the studio before the next team finished. Yeah. That was her introduction. That and then, was my intro. And then I made but her I, sign a document that said she would never race. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. so. But I grew up in Alaska, and um, I was very fortunate to have uh, parents who always pushed me outside, and you know, we went camping every weekend, and um, through my um, teenage years and early adulthood, I got into mountain biking, but just never legitimate racing. Adventure racing was my first real intro into real races. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. So that's pretty good. That's one of the uh, better ones, (laughs) getting into it. And so, Jason, how did you get started? Um, I was – I was living in North Dakota of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, I just built a climbing gym because that was my big passion. And my twin and I started to just get into a little bit more endurance stuff. We did a, 
a half marathon. And then once we did that, we saw if we could do a marathon. We did that. It was kind of one of those things. We were mostly into climbing, but, but liked the idea of pushing ourselves and seeing what would happen. And it just kind of kept building. Did a triathlon, then did an Ironman, then did an off-road Ironman. And then I signed up for an adventure race. And as soon as I did my first adventure race, I was hooked because it combined those elements of like expedition climbing and this idea of like the endurance from an Ironman or a big race. And you would get lost, muddy. The teamwork aspect was just like the climbing expeditions I had been, been on. So like I never went back to doing a, a kind of classical um, foot or bike race again after that. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, and, and my first adventure race, we, um, you know, 10 minutes in or 15 minutes into the race, we were in last place. Um, we got totally lost. We had no idea how to navigate. And through sheer tenacity, because it was a 12-hour race that took us 16 hours to do, and we still ended up in third place just because everybody else dropped out. So I was like, this is great. Like, the climbing background was total self-reliance. So there was no exit except to finish the climb and get down. So that served me really well. And, and a bunch of the people I raced with early on. We weren't that fast, we weren't that smart, we made all kinds of mistakes, but we never thought that we could drop out. Mm-hmm. And that came from the mountaineering, right? The- that totally came from the mountaineering. I remember watching, my, my father actually kind of put that little uh, nugget in my head. We were watching one of the early, you know, Mark Burnett, Discovery Channel, um, Eco Challenge things, mm-hmm. and he knew about all these expeditions. And we were doing really serious mountaineering and first ascents in the Canadian Rockies and Scotland and stuff like that. And watching it with my twin brother and him saying, you know, my dad saying, you guys should do that. Because, you know, you're seeing people throw tantrums and quit and drop out and fall apart. And he's like, you guys should totally do that because you would never quit. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> why are these people quitting? Right. And then, you know, years later, I finally did one. And, and that was that was kind of that was true. Right. That really served well. Yeah. yeah. So what was what, Jason, what was your first expedition race? And that was like, what was the first expedition race the two of you did? Um, my first expedition race, I did the Beast of the East. Mm. The, the last time it happened, I, I don't know, that was uh, it'll date me, but it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, shortly after that, I was, I was tried to do that solo and that was a bad mistake. And they, they kind of, I kind of ended up with a team and that's how I met Mark Latanzi, who was kind of on my first team for a long time. And shortly thereafter ended up on a team for Primal Quest Moab. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big eye opener. I convinced my brother, my, my twin to fly back. He was living in New Zealand at the time, and he jumped right into it. That was his real first adventure race was the, the Primal Quest. And it was the same thing. It was sheer tenacity that we became one of the only rookie teams to finish that race. And um, that was that was kind of, I was, you know, if I had already, I was already hooked, but then I just kind of knew what I wanted to see, like how hard it was. Like, can, can I win one of these things? Can I get on the podium for expedition races? So, In my first race, I was... I was um, really fortunate. Uh, it was actually, I think it was my third race ever, but uh, Jason and Dan invited me to go down to uh, Costa Rica for this expedition race that was going on. And I said, sure. And um, we show up, and there wasn't an, enough teams that um, signed up, but we were already down there. And so the race director was like, well, you know, um, my nephew, he can be your support team, and here's the maps. If you guys want to do it, you guys can totally do it. 
um, and you got three days. So we had to finish this expedition race in three days. And but it was uh, such a cool way to enter there because there was no pressure. Yeah, it was just us and um, kind of figuring it all out. And uh, I like immediately fell in love with it just to cross the whole country of Costa Rica um, and see the beauty and uh, yeah, the guys t taught me a lot of things yeah. <laughs> how to eat and all. We went through a lot, but um, in the end, I you know. I still wanted to do it, so I guess it was good. If I mean, if we could somehow create that experience for anybody that wanted to get into expedition racing, we'd have a much higher success rate in the sport. Yeah, I feel really lucky that that was my first one. That 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 would be kind of interesting. Yeah, sort of almost like just a training, training race or. Yeah, something. and we were still pushing it because yeah. we had to get the rental car that we got for his nephew we had to get it back on the third day or else we, were, we would get this big penalty so you know it was a little bit of pressure but you know not the pressure of a bunch of top teams you know so it was and, cool i mean probably one of the best things we learned that then took us years of racing to come back to is that we did in that first race is just race your own race mm -hmm. like that's you know in that race if somebody's feet were messed up you didn't push past it. You were like, we should fix these. And and then we spent years racing, like try to sit down and fix somebody's feet and any other team passed and you're like, we gotta go, yeah. right? And we don't do that anymore. It's like, all we care about is what happens at the end. So it doesn't matter what place you're in four days in, it matters what place you're in at the end. Mm -hmm. So you really gotta just see how fast your team can complete the course and that's it. And it's a really hard mental exercise. But that first race, it was perfect because yeah. it was just us and yeah. a rental car company. Yeah, I highly <laughs> recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm starting to see a pattern of you guys putting um, limits not or time limits on yourself, so you've got a got a goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, here's a pretty specific question: What's the good and the bad part about racing with your partner? Uh -huh. So we have a secret. Um, <laughs> once we start racing, I don't know if Dan mentioned this or not, um, but once we start racing, we most of the time stop being married. Okay. That doesn't mean like, you know, uh, you know, Chelsea's sleeping with the other members of the team. Or <laughs> yeah. like that. Well, except you are because you're all sleeping together. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. But what it means is that, that we have gotten to a point kind of from experience and necessity where um, we treat each other like like teammates with high expectations of you know where our training has led us and what our what our goals are in the race. And Daniel has kind of taken on the role. He's the big, strong, you know, just the mule, and he takes care of everybody. Whether it's me, whether it's Chelsea, whether it's Eric, you know, whoever else we're racing with. So that's kind of his role when somebody's hurting, and sometimes he's hurting, and we take care of him. But my role as captain, you know, we've learned to not take whatever stress comes out or, you know, if I need to, to yell at people or push people harder or whatever, um, that doesn't go outside of the race. And I also know that, you know, I've got somebody arguably much more capable than me watching out for my, my lovely wife. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting though, for sure. Yeah. How long, how long did that take you to learn? Uh, honestly, I mean, it was pretty automatic because uh, going into adventure racing, I kind of 
came on to the team, Jason and Dan were already pretty like well um, gelled. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of latched on to that a little bit and I didn't want to take any extra um, energy away. And so I kind of fell into that groove and was like, hey, I'm a part of this team and I didn't make, I don't want it to feel weird or awkward or anything. And so um, I think I kind of just instilled that in us of like, hey, we're teammates. And from that point on, um, exactly what Jason said was when the race was over, you know, I didn't look back and say, oh, you yelled at me, you know, like, or, oh, and he doesn't say, oh, well, you screamed at me. I mean, and you're, you know, you're exhausted. So most of the time we don't even remember. Yeah. Um, but we really try to not take anything personally with even within the race. And if I yell at Dan or Dan yells at me, same thing. We all try to treat each other equally. And so we're not putting another person up on a pedestal or below or something. We're all trying to really treat each other as equals. Yeah. But is there just a little bit of you that is like more concerned about each other than your other teammates just yeah um i mean there has to be right yeah for sure and this is this is an interesting thing we talk about this a lot and it's not it's 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 not just chelsea i mean that's like chelsea and i's relationship is one thing but like i was daniel's high school teacher Mm -hmm. i've known him for you know 12 years and we're we're like brothers and Mm -hmm. so the three of us together it's an interesting it's a very different dynamic and a few times I've raced or Daniel's raced with a team where you don't, you're not friends. Like you're friendly with each other. Yeah. But this is, we talk about this a lot, you know, like teams like, like Technu or um, some of these top teams that basically look at a roster of people and, and hire them in. Say like, we're going to give you a contract. And they know each other, but they're not having coffee together every morning. Yeah. Like Daniel lives right next door. So mm-hmm. it's hard not to carry some of that. And, and that, that can be a limiting factor when, it's easy to settle a little bit where you might not settle with somebody you didn't know that was counting on you. Right. But at the same time, the richness of the experience, um, is, is worth it. So we are, we're, you know, as we're, you know, we got top 10 this year, which was amazing for us in worlds. And we're constantly like, how can we eke out a little more, eke out a little more. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's an interesting scenario, right? Because we do really, really care about each other and not that most teams do care about their teammates, but, like we are like we're best friends and, yeah. and we're married and so there's like this it's a yeah there's a whole nother level yeah, to it yeah. which which we're still trying to figure out yeah and it's yeah. fun it's fun i wouldn't trade it for anything no but it's, it's it's so interesting and uh you know the conversations we have out there and the things that we know about each other you know like i know many things about dan that his own wife doesn't know about him you know and um it's it's really cool how 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 close we are and you know it does get really emotionally hard out there sometimes because we're all so close but that's kind of like the the most interesting part to me is our communication and our relationship out there and how we can all like grow together as a team yeah well when dan and i talked I, and and I think I realized it while I was talking to him that you guys are the most team out there, if you know what I mean. I mean, there's I know other people are close, but there's something a little bit different about you guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it shows. 
Yeah, and we we this is an interesting thing because if like our our challenge and and our joy, kind of our commitment to this sport, is reliant on on the three of us. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm you know I'm getting old. I'm almost forty. That's not that bad. But like I'm not really interested in seeing if I can join up with other racers and break into the top five. Yeah. Right? What I'm interested in doing is seeing if I can do it with. Daniel and Chelsea, mm-hmm. you know, and whoever our fourth is. But these two I've been on this journey with for years. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. Every little gain we make or every little setback we have, we're just like, we're in it together. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's super fun. Yeah. So how, how did you bring Eric onto the team? Cause, and, and was, was that hard for him? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. It's, it's hard for him in a number of yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have lots of passion for Eric. We brought um, Eric on actually through Andy, Jason's mm-hmm. brother. Andy, uh, Eric was living in um, Grand Forks where Andy was putting on a lot of races. And um, we had one of our fourths kind of uh, like not be able to, at the last minute, not be able to go on a race, a big race with us. And um, so we started kind of looking around for other fourths and, uh, Andy was like, dude, you got to try this Eric guy. He's already slack lines. You know, he's got your same energy. He's young, but I think he can really do this. And so um, we brought him out here actually to Bend. Um, we put on races in Bend and Jason directs them. them. And so uh, Dan and I did a 36 hour with Eric and had a blast with him. And he really showed us, you know, um, that he was super strong are not only super strong, but also just a great personality, a great person to race with. Kind of like we're like, oh, this guy could actually like, you know, fit in with us. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. how that relationship started. Yeah. And then it yeah. is like we have so much compassion for him because he's, he's totally. I mean, it's better now. You know, it gets better every race. But you know, he's, he was he's definitely the, the new guy. Yeah. He's the third wheel. The like, third wheel. Yeah. We're <laughs> we're like a trio and. Like, and when he came in and we didn't even realize this until like he kind of called us out on it because we have our systems and, you know, we're like siblings and, and husband and wife and we fight and, and like nothing, you know, for somebody coming into this, they're like, what in the hell is wrong with <laughs> yeah, like, We'll fight over bars, you know, right. and <laughs> we have our own little Quirks. internal jokes with each other or, you know, we know exactly what buttons to push Quirks. when we're pissed yeah. off yeah. and we want everybody else to <laughs> And Eric didn't know any of this, yeah. and he just tried to come in and race. And so it took him that, and you know, we've been doing this physically. Like he's an amazing athlete, but if you haven't done an expedition race the first time, mm-hmm. you tend to get your ass handed to you. Yeah. And he came in, and we signed him up for you know Wyoming and Gold Rush, and like after Wyoming, that was the first year, which was I think the hardest of the Wyoming races yeah. so far, um, and. We just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, yeah. and like we got second, which was great, right yeah. behind Tech Noon and beat Dart, and um, and he but, was dying. He was done. Like and he was like, I can't ever do that again. I'm done. <laughs> like, dude, we got second. Look, yeah. we got a big prize check. Yeah. Like, this is great. But he was and like, I don't think my body's up for this. I'm too young. I just don't think I can do it. And we're like, No, dude, you're awesome. Just doing <laughs> yeah. one more race, like just one more race. And at Gold Rush. No, he, he bonked in a different He bonked way. another, like, in Wyoming, he bonked because he didn't eat enough food. 
And so in Gold Rush, he went the opposite. So he timed every 30 minutes. He had a watch, like a little beeper watch. Yeah. And when it would go off, he would eat a whole bar. Yeah. So then he, <laughs> it, I mean, if you're, if you get a chance to watch the, uh, the movie, cause it's a great yeah. movie of it. Um, he's like laying down there he's 24, super fit. And he thinks he's having a heart attack. It's <laughs> like, not having a heart attack, you have heartburn. Yeah. Get it's like, no, I'm totally but, dying. <laughs> and we're like, no, dude, you're 24. You're having heartburn. Yeah. And um, so it was hilarious. So he, yeah, he went through the ringer. And honestly, the best, like, he stuck with it and went to Worlds with this that year. Now he's gotten to the point where, where I think he really knows that he belongs on our team. Mm -hmm. You know, we do Afro together. We high, we, He's got highlining a bunch yeah. with us, and he'll come out here and train. So Yeah, and he gives us, you know, he's starting to talk back to us, yeah. so which, which is, is fun. It's a good sign. It's, you know, when he can give us shit back, it's, it's usually, you know, means that he's coming into his own and is starting to really, you know, make his presence on the team, which we feel really uh, lucky to have him on the team. Yeah, yeah. it's very exciting. Cool. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about Dan, and and he went in specifically his meltdown, and he went into a lot of detail about it. But I'm re really curious to hear your the other side. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. I'm we're gonna have to listen to your uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, to see what he said. Dan is one of my favorite people because he he over analyzes everything <laughs> he's you know with age he's tempering a little bit but he's he's over analyzed everything and he's pretty overconfident generally as a person mm -hmm. um which i am too yeah. but dan you know the way i see it is you know, kind of for the first time that i've seen him racing dan completely broke down mm -hmm. and i think it was subconscious mm -hmm. and he you know, he probably told you this too, but he, he's, his voice changed. He was like a six-year-old mm -hmm. that didn't want to race anymore and was coming up with every excuse possible other than saying, I don't want to race anymore. Like he just, he just broke it. His, his psyche, his will was done. And because we're not used to that, you know, he was oh, food poisoning or maybe not enough water, like all these things. And we're just going through this. And I'm sure he told you the only way six hours into this, the only way we can get him out is finally sitting him down, telling him to take a few breaths and then yelling at him. Yeah. Like you yeah. would a six year old that you're like, none of your tantrums are going to work. Like stand up and walk mm -hmm. like, and he's big, but if yeah, I could have, like I would have grabbed him <laughs> by the back of the neck and marched him in front of me. And that's yeah. essentially what we did verbally. And he tried to appeal to Chelsea or to Eric and Every, that we just had to all have a firm line like we don't care mm -hmm. and it was weird to like actually be in that point yeah. where you said we really don't care yeah just keep walking shut your mouth follow my footsteps and just keep going and he'd walk, and, and then you know after an hour of that of like you know trying to continue engaging us which we had done for hours and hours and hours like he was back to 100% strength and then he was super, uh, I just remember being at a spring in the middle of the, the huge mud bog of that last leg. And he's like, guys, I figured it out. I feel great now. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to like, hear all about it? We're all like, no. Uh, you can you know, We spent so long, so yeah. slow. Because every time you engaged him, he would stop and like want to talk about it. And he would just go deeper into his hole and 
say, Chelsea, you just don't understand. You don't care. And you're just like, dude, I care so much. Just keep following me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you can uh, spend probably 20 minutes listening to it on his his episode. Okay. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was fascinating. And it was, you know, we rehashed it. And it was one of the, we've had some crazy moments in yeah. racing. And that whole experience was just so out of the box and surreal. Mm -hmm. it's, it was like nothing we've ever experienced as a team. Like it was the first time I've ever been around that. And to see Dan go through it, who is usually our strongest, you know, mentally and physically and always wanting us to go um, faster and further. Um, it was just like so crazy to see him on the other right. side. Yeah. It was, I, it was, Took me a long time to wrap my head around it because it wasn't it wasn't a physical bonk, I and mean, he no. recognized it. Like we're used to, you know, we've all been there where you know we get our electrolytes, our food off, we're just mm -hmm. exhausted, and our, our body shuts down. But this was not his body; like yeah. his mind just shut down, and and, and you know, yeah. yeah. But hey, you know, it it was a learning experience, yeah. and we're all still friends, and and we didn't bury him in the mud. So. <laughs> he he got there, so. Um, yeah. And the one thing, well, in this talking to everybody, and I guess actually we talked about this a little bit down there. You in Costa Rica, or not Costa, in Ecuador, none of you, or how do I put it? Somebody was miserable and having a bad day the whole race. You, you never felt all felt good, right? No, no, we never all felt good. Which was, you know, this this is kind of what we've been in a strange way working towards because our philosophy as we've decided just a couple of years ago to um to see how far we could go mm -hmm. like and to commit more of our time and energy to training and, and doing the world series races and all that stuff you know we'll tell we, we end up consulting with teams a lot like how to finish races and, and how to be better one of the things we talk about that we believe in is like after the beginning of the race if somebody isn't suffering you're not going fast enough yeah. Right. And we haven't really, you know, there have been races where somebody suffers a little bit, but there's also huge periods where we're all just like, you know, doing great, doing great. And, you know, this this was a race where for various reasons, it's like, you know, it wasn't necessarily that we went too hard, but but there was always somebody at their edge and wishing we could slow down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we tried to be really cognizant not to break them, you know, not to go too far, but to not let that person feel comfortable. So that's a fine line because it's really easy and you see it all the time where you push too hard for, you know, a short gain, not really, you know, not remembering that you've got 700 kilometers to go or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so this race, we really, you know, and we were all on board. Like when I was suffering, when Eric was suffering, like, I'm like, I can go faster if I get help and I'm willing to hurt and hurt and hurt. Um, so long as somebody else is driving the train. Right. So, um, so it was, you know, it was definitely challenging. We look forward to, you know, hopefully all feeling good, you know, and just charging um, charging some of these, these next races we're doing. But we were really happy with how we stuck. We stuck through it. I mean, we ended up towing Eric up, you know, yeah. 15,000 feet on the bike, <clears throat> up and up and up and up for a long time, which was remarkable. Um, and then he ended up towing me on the run later, and then Daniel got sick, and then so it was – I think Chelsea's the only one that pretty much felt good most of the race. Mm -hmm. But that's getting to be fairly normal. 
like, you know, it's an amazing female racer with three decent men. And that's what makes up <laughs> our team. So, but, it, it, you know, I talked to this to the other guys, but do you feel like having this race where, let's say, it didn't go that well and you did that good, do you think it's kind of psychologically and maybe even physically pushed you up to another level that you know where you can go to? Yeah, I mean, we know that, you know, adventure racing is always like a lot of about tenacity and a little bit about luck. You know, people, I used to think it was a lot about luck and a little bit about tenacity. Yeah. I now know that it's exactly the opposite because, you know, we spent, and, and I remember seeing, you know, like the, the early posts years ago from, you know, from Technion and from other teams trying to get into the top. There's always an excuse of why you didn't do better. Yeah. Right. And as soon as you, let go of those right as soon as you stop making those excuses like we got 10th we earned 10th there's no we would have got sixth if this and this and this and this didn't happen yeah. right because those become worthless if you're trying to get better so this was we had a really uh, you know a lot of struggle in this race and our tenacity yeah. our drive our teamwork it got us into the top 10. Mm -hmm. and from the beginning we had that mindset of we're going for top 10 you know, no matter what, we were going for it. And so we all kind of uh, had that talk and went into it with that commitment to each other of like, okay, if any of us are hurting, you know, we're still going to keep going. We're all going to keep fighting. And it, I mean, it's, you know, that coming out of that ninth leg, was it, you know, 10 stages or 10 big legs in that race, coming out of that mud thing when Dan had recovered, we were out of it and we had decided coming out to sleep. We had no idea where we were in the pack. Um, we knew we were somewhere in the top 15, but we didn't think we were, because we had such a bad leg. Mm -hmm. We came out, we saw all these other destroyed teams. We were sleep deprived and... And we didn't, we could have rested, but we were like, you know what? We just kind of looked around and said, this is... This is what we all agreed to, and this is our chance. This is what we're here for. <laughs> so we, yeah, we got in the kayaks and took some caffeine and our speakers. And we had our music system. We had our music and we just sung the whole entire night. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so music is that, I th I don't know anybody else that actually takes speakers, but is it, so is that kind of a reward or just we, help you go faster? It's uh it's a little bit of both. Uh, I spent, you know, a good portion of, the um, pre-race, that was kind of one of my missions was I made this 100-plus uh, song playlist. And um, music is something that really helps me uh, happier and get into the mode and just forget kind of about what I'm doing. Um, and it just kind of like makes the whole team come together, especially when we can be listening to the same right. the same song together. And, and with paddling, we get our cadence together and... Yeah. It keeps us awake. Mm -hmm. Paddling, it always puts me to sleep at night. And so if there's anything that just stimulates me a little bit, I can stay awake. And so that's kind of why I bring it. Um, yeah. And we just have fun with it. Yeah. It's a, like the, we tried, you know, and a lot of teams do headphones yeah. and stuff like that. And, yeah. and we found that that's not really that effective. And the whole point of this sport for a lot of it is this this team. Mm -hmm. And so if we, you know, we, we have this, this Bluetooth speaker that floats it is fully waterproof so you know it's really rugged and the music's loud enough to hear from 50 feet away in another boat and 
you know, so it's a party. Like yeah. we, we looked forward to that paddle leg. We planned it from yeah. the beginning, like the whole time, made sure the batteries were charged yeah. and it's in there. That was like the most important thing. That was my main job was making sure that the playlist, playlist was set, that, you know, the battery was fully charged and that in the bag, nothing would accidentally hit the power button. So, and it's fun. We, yeah. Like the first time we ever did it was, we don't do it every race, yeah. but no. the big races. And we did it in Costa Rica too. And it was, it was just surreal. Like it was so fun. So we're yeah. looking forward to um, maybe on a big jungle track too. So we've got two of the speakers now. Yeah. We've got a lighter one too. So maybe we'll take one on the jungle track and like, you know, welcome to the jungle in the middle of a jungle track. That's uh, yeah. just going to be epic. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. Little guns and roses. So that, that would be pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh man, there's ice cream at the end of this paddle. Only now you're like, we get music. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it adds to, I mean, there's always those moments, especially later on in the race, that are surreal. You've mm -hmm. completely lost touch with reality. I mean, even you're not worried about being the obnoxious tourist. It, like, you're just so far beyond that. Right? Like, at the beginning, going through some beautiful place, there's no way we're going to play music or even be that loud. Yeah. But you get to that point, you got to enjoy it. Like, where you're just this person that, that will pick something out of the mud and eat it yeah. like well you know and then go poop in the corner while you're eating and you're just like like all these like you just lose all social norms like yeah. they're just gone and you can't help it and so when you can do music and like traipse through the, the wilderness and yeah it's uh, a it's a good experience yeah, yeah we don't get that very much so so um so that gives me a thought how long does it take you guys to reacclimate to the quote unquote real world when you get done racing <laughs> It takes Dan a long time. Yeah, it, Dan is the worst of us, and it's really funny. We have plenty of stories with being in Patagonia and then being back at the hostel for a while, and then flying home. And you know, like we've been kind of done with the race for a week, you know, and we were at the airport, and he stubs his toe, and we're in the middle of an airport with old people and kids, and and you know, and he just up, like and he just lets out so. Not even like an okay curse, like, yeah, like a bad one, like, yeah. like with religious overtones <laughs> and like and like just some crazy thing that comes out of his head, or like yeah. that he'd said in the middle of the wilderness, and we laughed at yeah. and stubs his toe, and, he, and we're just like, dude, what are you like in front of his parents, in front of my parents? We're just like, and we've had to call him, um, or he'll walk out of a, a hotel room in a hotel, like in his underwear, like <laughs> scratching. You know, it's like, dude, you're not racing anymore. Yeah. So we learn, we come out of it faster because we watch Dan. And yeah. we're just kind of like, wow, that is crazy. Like, yeah. And he has, he's oblivious until we're like, dude, you got to not do that right now. Yeah. It's like, oh, well. No. So. Yeah, well, I think I've told this before, but Paulette comes home from racing or, or being out for a long time, and she'll wake up in the middle of the night and be standing on the bed yelling. <laughs> And, wow. I'm, and I'm just like, you're home, go back to bed. She just does it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always fun. So, yeah. Um, and I have to ask this one because I get in trouble if I don't. What's the best and worst six hours you guys have ever had racing? And and just to make it different together, the best six and worst six. Best six and worst six. Yeah. I know what my worst six are. Okay. Okay. Um, worst six where we take a lot of risks racing because mm -hmm. that's kind of why we're in the sport. The more adventurous it is, the more we do it. And, you know, most people that know us 
know that our favorite race ever is the Patagonia Expedition Race, mm-hmm. and we will continue to do it, you know, as long as we can, as long as they hold it. Um, to me, it's it's the you know, there's a lot of good races out there, but it's the one that holds the true essence of of what what this sport is and can be mm-hmm. um, to me. And in our second year doing it, we were with Stephen Reginald, who writes the Gear Junkie. Um, and with Daniel, and we were desperate to to beat the Brits because they haven't ever been bit, beaten when they're racing. We took a bunch of risks, and you know, it's lots of classic stories floating down white water on our thermorests and and kind of going completely off the map in the recommended route. And at one point, we had been hiking for miles and days in our dry suits, um, and we got to this alpine lake that we needed to cross rather than go up around the way we know the Brits had gone. We were gaining on them. And we're looking at the map and we decided to swim it. It's about two kilometers. It's in the middle of Patagonia, you know, seven days into the race. Yeah, we're, our, the race. our internal thermometers are already completely screwed. And our dry suits are full of tiny holes because yeah. we've been bushwhacking through, you know, trailless wilderness. And we have three thermorest pads left. So I'm the strongest swimmer. Mm-hmm. So I start swimming, and they each like are on, you know, chest across a pad with mm-hmm. our backpacks, and we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and it's not so much we're, you know, we're maybe taking on water, but it's super, super slow, so we don't even notice it. But the fact is, even in a dry suit, you're submerged in 35 degree water. And I remember getting, you know, and I kind of talked the team into making this decision. We we agreed it was a good one, and. We got halfway across, literally about a kilometer from either shore, and Stephen starts saying, we're not going to make it. He's screaming, we're not going to make it. We're all going to die. And we're just like, oh, this is not the time to do that. And, and so I'm like, we have to make it. We have no choice. So we keep going and keep going. And um, about three quarters of the way across, I'm now falling behind because I don't have a pad. And so I somebody kind of comes and gets me, I get on a pad, and now Chelsea is just holding onto my ankle. So I'm swimming and dragging her while I'm on the pad. And we're, we're now maybe 400 meters, 300 meters from the, the far side, and Chelsea starts screaming, I can't hold on anymore, I can't hold on anymore. And like, this is the kind of the most real, we've been in some pretty hairy situations, but this was really, a really dark place where there there was no room to stop, to assess, to, you know, to hope, to think of another plan. Um, and there were moments there that I was like, you know, that, that I was going to lose, that, that Chelsea was, you know, that was, that was going to be the end for somebody on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was really, really hard. Um, and we made it and, you know, we, we pulled out, we got out of the thing and we were just, you know, completely immobile and, and went fully into survival mode. And, you know, there's a lot of story after that, but those, you know, those hours, you know, the couple hours leading into that decision and, and, uh, I mean, it was probably an hour, hour and a half swimming yeah. across that, that slope. So slow. Yeah. Uh, scary. Right. That better be your worst six hours, Chelsea too, because I don't want to hear anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's probably the worst. Okay. Um, leading up to that race was emotionally hard for me too, but that was definitely yeah. hard. Um, and I, the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta say Patagonia again. I mean, again, just like Jason said, it's just the most wild, amazing place. Yeah. And um, I, uh, 
I lose um, layers off of myself, and I see it off of Jason too. Um, whenever we go down there, and you just like let go of so much un like unnecessary things about yourself, and um, just like the most important things come come to you after you know a day of racing in Patagonia. Um, but like uh, all of the years, I think we've done it four years. The they call it the monster trek. And that has always, I look forward to that time. I mean, it's so brutal and hard, but you go through these amazing places that you know, maybe you know a handful of humans that ever gone, has like gone, gone through these places before. And the journey that you make with your team, the places that you see, um, both emotionally, like internally and physically and like outside of yourself are just it's just unbelievable. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard to like distill it down to a certain, you know, event or six hours, but, um, I guess the monster trek of Patagonia, I, it's more like six. Yeah. 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 And there's definitely some time in there that you're just like, you hate it. But, um, overall it, uh, yeah, it just like sheds. I feel like I, I get so much lighter, um, Emotionally and of course physically, because you definitely <laughs> lose some pounds out there. But uh, yeah, whenever I come out of the trek, it's uh, it's a cool perspective that I gain every time. Cool. All right, here's here's a little lighter question. What's what's been the best technological improvement since you started racing? The best technological improvement. What's what's the one thing that's like? How did we ever race with those things? Yeah. Wow. Um, Would it be the spot track? No, I mean, you know, if if we could race without trackers, that would be. No, (laughs) something, something you use for racing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we would get rid of trackers and jerseys. We don't want to, but we we appreciate jerseys as race directors because they're beautiful in photos. Um, I think that, um, you know, bike-wise, technically, the the XX1 Grupo yeah. has yeah. has changed the way that that we race and changed the uh, you know the ability of us to really go through some pretty gnarly um, gnarly mud and, and terrain and and not worry about our our drivetrain so much. Yeah. I mean, if people haven't tried it, we've been using it now for a couple of years, and I would never never go back um, to any other drivetrain. You know, unless they come out with something somehow radically better, but yeah, we've taken it through. Of, I mean, gnarly ass mud. Yeah, the shut down so many other teams. Even for a long time, we had three of us on the team on it and one person without, and we'd always have to stop to deal with the, the guy that didn't have the XX1. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now, you know, now Shimano's making a, a version which I'm sure is good as well, but some sort of one by. I guess I'd say tubeless that. tires too in that same vein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you want to uh, share your secret about uh, bike maintenance in the mud, or do you want to keep that a secret for yourself? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, like honestly, it's it's one of our one of our joys is when we come across things that really work well for us. Like, I'm, you know, we this is why we consult with teams is because we want there to be more good teams because yeah. the more good teams there are, like we have this conversation all the time. I only want to earn. We only want to earn our wins. Right. Yeah. So there's no like we used to be like oh we got to keep these strategies secret or whatever. Like now 
like tell all the people like if, if you can use our strategy more effectively then then more power to you then we have something to learn from you mm -hmm. so i really want to earn and the harder we make it to earn by sharing our secrets with people the better um so the mud that we do is and i just learned this from from some blog pink bike or something looking for the best chain lube for super muddy jungle conditions and uh it's just chainsaw oil <laughs> super cheap yeah and we've tried it and tested it against so many other yeah. top end lubes on the market. It's and, awesome. Yep. I mean, think about it. Yep. Like, chainsaws are made to work in horrible, wet, muddy, all kinds of conditions and do thousands and thousands and thousands of revolutions at high speed. Yep. You know? So it is, you can buy a quart for four or five bucks and it'll last you for years. We're still on the first quart we ever bought. And that's the only lube we use now. Yep. That's my. My favorite thing I learned all year. <laughs> it's it's amazing that the bike companies don't want you to know. No, but uh, you know it's it's great lube. It so, is. so just that couple more things because we've all had long days. I really appreciate you taking the time. But okay. um, so, what do you guys? Kind of a two part question: a, a short term and a long term. What's what is your race schedule for this year? And this one's a little bit harder. How good do you? think you guys will be eventually no. um, i'll answer the easy one <laughs> um in march we have florida mm -hmm. uh what's it called the, the c to c c to c, c, c. um and we have uh jason and mel and our new guy adam and i believe eric going on that yeah, one so we six have, six person squad we're trying out a couple of our yeah we're trying here. we're trying out a new girl too um, Mel Coombs. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we have uh, the Alaska Expedition in June. And then after that, we have Wyoming. Cowboy Tough. Cowboy Tough. Yeah. And we're thinking uh, Worlds, Brazil. Yeah. And then Patagonia. Yeah, those are the big ones. We've got a couple, a bunch of shorter races. Yeah. yeah. And Chelsea just turned, she won't say this, but she just turned professional, got a professional mountain bike license. Um, at the end of last year, so she'll be. That's one of the reasons she's not doing Florida, so mm -hmm. she can focus on on the. Yeah, for the spring, I'll be doing a lot of um, mountain, bike. mountain bike races, yeah. twenty-four hour races. So. So. Cool. Sounds and like then how? <laughs> yeah, you get the hard <laughs> this one. Is the, this is the question. So we're, you know, we're we're having a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. We're really um, determined. Not so much. Really what it is now, it's, it's about maximizing our potential mm. as a team. And we haven't done that yet. You know, we're all pretty clear on that. So how we end up stacking up against the other teams out there, that is interesting. I mean, it's, certainly it's interesting to us, but it's really less important. We're hoping to get to a point where we feel like, you know, we've gotten pretty close to our potential for a season or two. Yeah. And that's, you know, as long as that keeps you know, being out there and, and we're making inroads into that, then that's that's why we race. And yeah, if that also corresponds with, you know, being being on the top three at Worlds or, or, you know, winning a bunch of, you know, winning Patagonia or whatever, that's awesome. But our, our goal really, and we talk about this every race we go to, is like how fast can we test ourselves against this course? Like mm -hmm. how fast can we go from start to finish, going through all the checkpoints and... If there were no other teams here, 
we wouldn't slow down, like because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the fun we have. Is, yeah, is, and that was what was so awesome for us about Ecuador was that we, you know, we had that that talk and that commitment to each other, and at the end of the race, we were all so happy, you know, and like our placement. Yeah, it's awesome. We you know did our goal of top ten and got tenth, but. I really feel like we raced our own race and like we did the best that we could with what we were all going through. So um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So it's, if you, if you have the perfect race, that's, that's where you'll end up, right? Where yeah. End up. yeah. And, and, and we have great, you know, great stories at the end of it. Granted, we didn't pull it out, pull out with a dog, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. there are a lot of street dogs in Chile. You could always bring one home from Patagonia. Oh, right. Yeah, I I know. It's, yeah, it's, and it's yeah. I mean the the whole the whole sport is, you know, the joy of it for me is that this is a sport that has almost eradicated the possibility of having a perfect race, and yeah. that to me is what makes people grow and and what makes all this interesting stuff come out. Because when I was a a marathon or triathlete like that was the goal like to have the perfect race mm-hmm. and it is it was achievable mm-hmm. and i have never i mean i've done 180 you know big or almost 200 adventure races now <laughs> never had a perfect race not a four hour not in a 40 hour and you know not in a four day yeah so that's what i love about it like nobody has perfect races some are better than others but something tests you in ways that you didn't expect and that's why for me, this is, you know, probably the most remarkable sport out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, it is. So, all right, here's the last question, and it's it's an easy one. All right. Um, even if you start packing six weeks before a race, are you still packing the night before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Double yes. <laughs> yep, yes. Okay, yeah. that is the correct answer. So you got that one right. <laughs> so yeah. cool, guys. Thanks for this. It's um, yeah. I've so I've actually been doing this almost a year now, and I feel guilty that I hadn't had you guys on. So we're going to have Yoga Slacker February, so it's going to be really cool. And uh, oh, awesome. we we appreciate it, and we're glad we you know we we it was nice to see Paulette. We're really glad you're doing it. We know you're getting a lot more traction, so we're yeah we're glad we're at the beginning, right? <laughs> there you go. You get you get a lot of listens. That's hey, that's a good way of putting it. So. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's so really cool. Yeah, and cool. Well, thank you again for thinking of us and um, yep. taking the time. Yep. So, I will um, see whoever is at Cowboy Tough. I'll be there. So that'll be fun to okay. catch okay, up cool. with you. So, all right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. All right, thank you, Randy. All right, have a great so, night, everybody. Bye. Go fast and take chances yeah. because that's yeah, what yeah. these guys always do. So, all right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Caught up in a whirlwind, can't catch my breath. Needed a lot of water, broke out the cold sweat. Can't catch a turtle in this rat race. Feels like I'm losing time at a breakneck pace. 
Looking back in front of me, the mirror's 